Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Pinkerton's Ghosts is a horror anthology podcast by Superversive Radio, with no affiliation with any detective agency, person real or imagined, or the dark forces of Terre. It is not intended for children. Jack Morrow here. Update on the Puppeteer Returns case. When I sobered up, I went on a little hunting trip. I spared no effort and found the barest of trails. Yet the Puppeteer escaped me. I couldn't track down its hidey hole from the homestead. I found some threads, some marks. But eventually it went cold. No spore, no rest. I spent three days in the cold and the snow for nothing. The old Shawnee would beat me black and blue. Well, I beat myself up enough. I wasn't feeling like myself anyway. The contact I had promised me some pieces of the puppeteer when the investigative fury died down. They weren't looking for me, since the puppeteer had been tormenting those kids since before I got there, but the cops weren't going to be friendly for a long while. I'm told one of the nerdier secret societies had distributed amnestics and covered up what they could. Good on them. Didn't help my mood. Update concluded. Mission report to follow. I got the message from Control while camping in some godforsaken forest hollow. Nighthawk's diner was recently featured in a news report. Fortunately, Day's agents were able to shut it down past the live viewing. Politely asked the owner to be more careful so as to prevent broken masquerade protocols ratcheting up tensions throughout the various organizations we contract work from. This is only a message of diplomacy. Simple enough. Nighthawks is a transdimensional diner situated somewhere in another reality, but has entrances all over the world. The difficulty is finding one. See, I never bothered to go there. It always felt like a honeypot, all sweetness until the trap closes. Well, it's time to walk into the trap. With luck, I'll get a decent sandwich out of it, if I can find the place. My first lead wasn't so much a lead as a gathering place for paranatural items and objects. As you might expect, I meant a pawn shop. There's an underbelly to the world of antique shops, delis, BBQs, and all the -the out-of-the-way pizza places no one ever seems to go into, but they do enough business to stay all the same. Most of the places people kept were honest, if poor. Fight clubs and other organizations in the hidden parts of the mortal world like them, and keep them open. The Jefferson City paranatural icon, Hetty's Last Chance, was in the back of a mostly decrypt strip mall, only the gym doing any swift business. I walked down the stairs and checked the shop through the glass windows. No one but a bored shop girl. I walked in and nodded to the girl at the register, who did not smile at me. Pinkertons have a look that doesn't make us popular with the ladies. I checked the corkboard for Nighthawk's advertisements. Nothing. I did take a coupon for a BBQ restaurant I hadn't heard of yet. 
I'm not saying that Stegosaurus meat sounded appetizing, but it was relevant to my interests. Maybe they'd let me keep the Thagomizer. I approached the sunglasses-wearing girl. She was solidly above twenty, but no way near thirty. I must admit, she had an hourglass figure an actress would sell her soul for. She didn't look up from the book on veterinary herpetology. What do you want, Flatfoot? I got medical tests to study for. Guess I didn't have to show any badges. Is Teddy in? Nah, he's taking a week off. Something about a trip to Japan. Mailed himself first class. Gonna go see that big toy museum they have in Tokyo. Says he has relatives out there. She hissed at me, willing me to leave. Fortunately, I'm good at pretending not to notice. I did notice her tongue was forked. Thick as a human tongue, but much longer. Just as articulate. Huh. Well, maybe you can help me. I ain't selling out my kind to you. I can smell blood on you like a cloak. Tastes rotten. Her lower half, even from my angle, had been hidden by a double-wide desk. A tail tip, brown, patterned with brown and black diamonds, put a handkerchief to her nose. It shifted her sunglasses, and for a brief second, I saw slitted, olive-colored eyes. One of her hands was under the table, probably grabbing something to shoot me with, if I acted up. Or maybe just because. Things like balance or fairness went out the window in the domain of Otraterre, if they ever even existed. A dead Pinkerton was very bad for business. I'm just looking for Nighthawks. Can you direct me? I'm trying to deliver some information. With this, I pulled out a hundred-dollar bill I prepared earlier. I've never known a med student to not need cash. She hissed at me but took the money, and I left with an address. The address she gave me took me to St. Louis, Gravoy Road specifically. Gravoy, Manchester, Broadway, and other streets were part of the greater St. Louis bone structure. The highways were spines, and those streets were the ribs. St. Louis wasn't much of a grid, despite large sections being close to one. The city was a relaxed sprawl, creeping out farther and further. The metropolitan area was far more massive than the maps showed. There was no shortage of choices to navigate the city by. One could go by the spine rib method I mentioned earlier. The graveyards and funerary houses never went away. There were a solid six or seven or more graveyards, dating back hundreds of years along Gravoy alone. Restaurants also work. Every major township had a deli, barbecue, a brewery, or an infamous bar. And a place to get wings. Heck, one could do it by hospitals and urgent cares. Not so easy in the outer rings, but certainly in the city itself. Point is, I was starting to get hungry when I rolled up Highway 44, south on 270, and then got off on Gravoy. All the restaurants I passed were torture. I was stationed in St. Louis for nearly ten years. I knew this city like the back of my hand. Gravoy is an old road. Gravoy transformed from fairly open to residential bordered by Grant's farm to closed-minded, towny-infested small businesses. A few miles down, the road dipped underneath crosswalks and bridges. The walls of the bridges had stairs built into the extensive St. Louis underbelly. St. Louis had one thing on the mind when it started to explore its cave systems. Beer. While Chicago had all their famous crime, corruption, and prohibition, 
St. Louis had its own style, but like sharp-tongued but respectable dowagers and salting harlots, she was just more polite about it. The Mississippi River helped a lot with smuggling, but the key to it all were the caves. There were entrances scattered all over the city through sewer pipes, doors in the walls, and even sinkholes in your own backyard if you bothered to dig them out. The Illuminati, secret societies, whatever, until the Cold War or so controlled the beer trade, with the Bushes and Budweisers as their local chiefs, and the Ruperts as their right hand. InBev bought out Anheuser-Busch and was more interested in profit than temporal power. Point is, Illuminati, Masons, and other groups have been, by the grace of God, in decline. But their outre-terre shenanigans have remained in this city like a bloodstain under the carpet. I haven't gone hunting in the sewers for a long while, but it was clearly due. I parked in a closed machine shop that was probably a front for something illicit and walked down a flight of stairs. I kept one of my 1887 shotguns, the one with brimstone rounds I kept from my tangle with the wild hunt, in the crook of my arm, but otherwise went lightly armed. I was told they checked weapons at the door. At the bottom, three Mongol bike club members peered around the corner, down the walkway to a door that looked a little too new for the surrounding concrete. I've had friendly relations with the bike club, and they tended to squat on my land. Besides, sometimes it takes more than a biker with a powerful bike and tight chaps to deal with the threats that wander American highways at night. Jack Morrow, Paranormal Pinkertons, what's got you guys spooked? They started. I walked in like a cat, great for effect. The three men were large, imposing, and dressed as can be imagined in black leather. One of them had the marks and gray beard for a leader. There's a spider. I waited. A big spider. The big man looked embarrassed. We heard nighthawks that moved St. Louis ways and wanted to check it out. I stopped my tough guy bit and checked my shotgun. It was more for effect than anything else. Putting on a show covers a multitude of sins. Can you point the spider out to me? Is it visible? He pointed to the door, then up a bit. I saw the hole. It was easily a yard wide, darker than a pre-dawn shadow. I took out a pocket flashlight and shined it at the void the spider wove around itself as camouflage. The light pierced nothing, but I saw the bare shine of a piece of chitin huddling close in front of numerous eyes. The concrete around it leaked gangrenous rotten moss that bubbled with corruption. The shadows above and below warped and flowed with the movements of my flashlight. The spider hissed at me, stridulating, sounding like a teapot or leaking tire. There wasn't much webbing on the ground, but here and there were pieces of clothing, a hat, a shoe. Whatever this beast was, it was a tidy eater. The homeless alternatively love and fear spots like this. It's nice and cozy in winter, but nice and cozy attract more than a heroin addict. Most days. I once heard from a retired agent that drugs bring humans closer to the hidden places of Otraterre and add seasoning. I stepped out into the hall and aimed. Spiders weren't intelligent animals. They were all raw instinct and power. 
even beefy ones like this were still just ambush predators. I guess this one was a big old trapdoor spider that got a double barrel of whatever lurked down in the shadows and the beer storage halls and all the secret caverns. I won't lie. I never went down there if I didn't have to. I fired into it. The brimstone rounds blazed like stars, smashing through the spider's legs. The ichor burst out of it like dust from miniature meteor strikes. It screeched like shattered glass rubbing together. It burst forward, its front legs twisting and shattering under the heat. It raised up, fangs longer than daggers, dripping with venom. I pumped three more shots into its underbelly. It smelt like burnt plastic and death. It collapsed into a burning shell, hissing with steam or just playing hatred for life. I shot my last two rounds into its cephalothorax, just in case. I breathed in and out. A part of me had enjoyed that very much. Maybe I saw the puppeteer in it. Maybe I just needed to kill something. I watched it burn. The bikers slipped by me, careful and quiet. I let them go without comment. There was nothing else in the hole but some bones and wisps of shadow. When the brimstone rounds burnt out, I walked through the door. The foyer was an open space in elegant Art Deco style. It wasn't grand, but it fit right in. I was standing just off-center from all things, a speck in the whirly gig of life and death. I was not in heaven, but the capstone of mathematical reality. I could reach out and find the calm in the center of the cosmic ultrastorm. The vertigo kicked me in the gut and I tried to vomit. I was pretty hungry at this point, so it was just a dry heave. First time, huh? Pretty weird how the universe and all existence is set in an Art Deco style in the foyer of a deli. The desk girl was a slime. Usually these things are non-sentient, more akin to amoebas or weirder fungi than anything animal. She had a humanoid form, mostly tinged green with brown and blue streaks across her gelatinous body. Her otherwise bare body was covered in an apron, and nubs, I assumed, were the hints that she had made clothing of her gel. The name tag read, Slimy Hagar. Her mouth was shark-toothed, and she grinned at me. Past her translucent lips were wires keeping the chompers in line. Come on, ask me why the universe is founded on Art Deco. Because God has good taste. I found my feet and stumbled towards her, supporting myself on the weapons check desk. Why do you have fake teeth? Why are they sharp? Danger smooches for fresh flirty pinkies suavos. Also, it helps people hold conversations. She gnashed her teeth. Eh, something to look at. It's not like I have real eyes. She didn't. Accepting the teeth, she was a blob holding herself together in the form of a woman. Pinky's suavo. Pinky, Pinky and the Brain? Mother had not done much with television, but sometimes when I was over at a friend's house, when I was very young, I caught a few Saturday morning cartoons. A section of her brow winked at me. One of her tendril hands pointed at the sign with prices written on it. I got it in one. What you got for me? Want a spring for the cleaning and repair? I heard your boomstick earn its gun grease tonight. 
I slapped some money down. This mission was getting expensive. What was that out there? Spider the size of a small pony. It was hiding in the shadows when the door appeared. She flinched. Never a swell thing when you compare a spider to a horse. I'll tell the cook to check it when the rush ends. It caused me distress when she swallowed my 1887. What is this? Damascus steel? Why would someone put that in a gun? It's like grinding filet for hamburgers. Salty, light, phosphorus rounds? She twisted and rolled the weapon in her depths, tasting one of my favorite guns. I almost didn't want it back. Almost. Come on. We need the rest of it. I can smell the steel on you. I spent the next few minutes divesting myself of all guns, knives, sources of fire, lockpicks, scalpels, matchstick boxes, brass knuckles, light explosives, and garrote wire. She made me give her my belt and shoelaces, too. <laughs> what? You think I'm gonna let Jack Morrow, a man who survived the wild hunt, and anything more than his bare fists? You're a crazy guy. Just be glad I'm a fan of a man who takes care of his weapons. It's not firepower, it's the way you use it. Looking me up and down, she gave me another jiggly wink and hit a button. The door, a fresco of a man carving meat from a bored cow, cracked down the middle and opened for me. A tired and trim woman walked up to my booth and whipped out a pad. Welcome to Nighthawks. Our special tonight is a St. Louis-style prime rib dip with toasted raviolis. She looked at me properly. Hey, it's a Pinkerton. Haven't seen one of you boys in, oh, I don't know, half a year. How's business, guy? Things haven't been great. Story of the year. Well, the food's hot and that's all that matters, right? I'll take the special. I'm also here about the... We know. Everyone from days. The things that really... She spoke over her shoulder at a man eating a sandwich. Have better things to do than show up whinging about a dimensional hopping malfunction. The man grumbled into his sandwich without turning around. The older woman shook her head. How it is sometimes. Coffee? She wandered off after some chit-chat I wasn't up for. I struggled within myself. There were people all around me and too many entrances to watch at once. The man in the suit, a family of five, a booth catty corner to me, a foursome of days agents I barely recognized. They were loud. The family was laughing. The man in the suit was munching on his sandwich and the three Mongols were playing cards. Something behind me started to drip, and I wanted nothing more than a lighter or one of my matchbooks or just a pair of sticks to rub together. I drank my water dry as soon as I got it. Ooh, must have been hard going. Slimy tells me you knocked out a spider that was keeping out customers. Listen, sugar, the chef's gonna let you have some apple pie. I nodded and she refilled my water. Even if I couldn't wash the kitchen, I sat where I could see most of the doors, bathrooms, to storage closets. It helped calm me down. I saw a young girl walk out of the women's restroom. It was the same type of girl from the last mission. The eyes, the serious demeanor, and the looking around. 
She joined her family while the father laughed about something his son was saying. Same sort of beard. No, it was a goatee. They weren't the same family. I repeated it to myself. I couldn't move. I wanted to put my back to the doors and the family and just face one of the windows out to some cityscape that looked human enough, but I couldn't place it. Gutless modernism doesn't soothe the soul. Not one bit. Detective Morrow, mind if I sit? It was one of the day's agents. The Department for the American Zoological Extraordinaries has been friendly with the Pinkertons for the last few decades or a century. On and off, depending on who was in charge of the budgets. How's government work? Could pay more. The man's long face was sort of forgettable, likely by design. I've been wondering. That was you who put the Geisterhound gas back, right? Your offices didn't answer any questions. I eyed him sidelong. His eyes stared back at me without intent to harm. Yes. He slapped the table, startling me. I knew it. We had an idea that you were hiding out in one of the abandoned buildings, but lost track of you after the gas got out. Man, what a cluster. We had this new command, uh, well, not anymore, who didn't think we needed a full complement to move the gas. It's secret. It's a gas, I said. What an idiot. Honeyest court-martial I ever saw. Thank God it didn't hit a real population center. Listen, you saved our bacon something fierce. He pulled out a card. I'm Captain Dan Voigt, and I'll cover your bill. Give me a call if you need anything. The captain joined his men at the table. The family left, and the food came out. I ordered more to go. I didn't mean to take advantage of the captain, but I knew a corporate lunch when I saw one. The man in a suit joined me without asking. Slimy Hagar was right to take my weapons away. Dr. Mickey Stephanos, Foundation for the Study and Curation of Paranatural Objects. He did not give me a card, but produced a tape recorder. Sorry to disturb your dinner, but some colleagues of mine are handling the fallout of the thing you call the puppeteer, and I have some questions. You're a hard man to find. And Days isn't the only ones having problem reaching your offices. He asked me about the puppeteer. It's effects on me. They were the sort of questions an academic makes, not uh, somebody used to working in the field. In other words, they never asked me what I thought it would take to kill it. Alright, bud. Last one. My employers used to farm out a lot of work to the paranormal Pinkertons don't have time to interview all the crazies, you know? What happened? My supervisor is going crazy. You're the first real contact we've had since September. Where did you guys go? I don't know. I haven't. <sighs> we're, we're not. The words died on my tongue and we sat in silence for an uncomfortable while. Eventually he gave up and got up to leave. Well, don't kill yourself, Jack. There's a lot of work to do, and the world needs all the help it can get. When I left Nighthawks, I went straight for Drop Point 755. That's the one I used on my first mission and the new servers. I broke it open, wrenching and hammering at the box until I broke the security seals. Normal person trying to rob this thing wouldn't know the steps needed to keep it from blowing up in their faces. 
I tied it with chains and ripped it out of the ground with my car, then picked the lock. It was full. Everything I had dumped in there was still there. The spindle, the papers, the recordings. Are all the drop boxes like this? Has no one been emptying them out? I... 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 Control. I don't know what to do. Jack Morrow. Out. Pinkerton's Ghosts is a podcast distributed by Superversive Radio and licensed under an attribution, non-commercial, share-alike, international license. This episode was written and performed by Ben Wheeler, who also edits, directs, produces, and herds cats. Ken Dickinson is our audio editor. Visit us on Facebook, read articles on SuperversiveSF.com, and wherever podcasts are distributed, you'll find us. Contact us through Twitter at Pinkerton's Ghosts, Support us on Patreon or email us at PinkertonsGhosts at gmail.com. Be sure to check out our unauthorized episodes as well. Thank you for listening. <laughs>